Hello, welcome to another episode of the podcast. Holy cow, three. Three's a charm. Three's a crowd. Um, three's a magic number. There we go. That's three things about three. Ha ha ha. So, yeah, exciting episode today. I've got my friend Kyle, Kyle Smith, K. Edward Smith, joining for the podcast today. I interviewed him a few weeks ago. And we had a really nice conversation. He baked some bread uh, before I came over, and we got to share some bread uh, while I was there. That was pretty awesome. Uh, He got me some herbs that he grew in his backyard after we were done. And yeah, we drank some good tea. So it was pretty great. It was a pretty nice time. I'm happy with how this is going. I'm really enjoying it. So thanks for joining the ride uh as 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 i do this thing yeah it's 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 neat it's fun thanks for being here i'm happy to have hopefully some people listening i don't know i haven't checked the stats but a couple people have told me you listen so thanks for doing so a couple let's see a couple things to mention there will be a link to kyle's website he makes music Uh, So you can check that out down in the show notes. I'll put a link to Dementia, the uh, show that we worked on. I did, yeah, he wrote a score for a silent film, and I got to be a part of the ensemble when uh, for the, like, world premiere. It was amazing. It was super cool. I played a cigar box guitar that Kyle himself made. It was a heck of a lot of fun. Uh, So, yeah, there will be a link to that down in the notes. And also, he wanted me to give a shout-out to Right Brain Records that helped release the whole thing. So thank you to Right Brain Records for making uh, some cool music happen. It's really sweet. So I think that's it. Enjoy this conversation I had with Mr. K. Edward Smith. stopped by the health food shop and picked a couple up for us um so if anyone out there needs tea we got good tea in fort wayne and i have uh a a k edward smith Uh, can i I call you kyle yeah yeah. (laughs) i got kyle here makes Um, me sound so pretentious (laughs) i mean i do also go by the first initial alejandro is my middle name right so there's just so many kyle smiths like my parents were like let's give him the most generic white guy name I was, I was thinking about Mr. Smith all the way over. It's, right. Well, my dad's name is Jim, and there's even more of those. So. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So we we are you're you're a musician and a composer. Um, we recently I played the cigar box guitar. Yeah. In the it was the world premiere of Dementia. It was. Right? 
So, yeah, let's, I want to get into that, but, like, I like to ask people about, like, where they come from. Sure. How they got started. So, you, tell the people about yourself. Yeah, um, first off, thanks for doing this. Yeah, Yeah. the episodes I've been checking out have been cool. So, happy to be a part of this. Um, so, music I've been doing for most of my life. I grew up in a small farming community, uh, middle of nowhere, out between Goshen and Napanee, so out in Amish country. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, not a lot of stuff going on out there. And you can hear the, I was growing up around the olders, and, you know, things like that in my accent every once in a while. <laughs> it, especially um, now that whenever we like go into um, like uh, Wisconsin, or if I watch Fargo, like it just, it's there for a week now. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, um, so grew up there and it was a, you know, rural community. I, we weren't on a farm. My dad was a pastor, so I grew up next to a church and um, kind of a strict religious family and oh, stuff like, like that. Like in the parsonage? Yep. Okay, so, cool. Yeah. Wow, yeah. nice. So it, cool. it was a vibe. <laughs> it is. Um, so, yeah, we were surrounded by cornfields. A lot of my friends were farmers. And, um, you know, the, a lot of it was great. We had woods right behind our house and got to go play in there and nice. go dig in the dirt and stuff. And, cool. You know, so that part of it was great. And, mm-hmm. um, thankfully, one of the, one of the big things that um, we had going on in the public schools around there were a really good band program. Um, And so my folks had started me on piano young. Um, My mom plays piano and she has some imposter syndrome about it, but she's really good. (laughs) She played trumpet way back when too. um, And was in like a touring band and stuff like that um, for her church or something like that. Um, But so I grew up with music in the house and um, playing piano and then once it came time to start band um, my sister had been doing it and I was like I want to do band and um, I always paid attention to the to the percussionists those were always the, the ones that kind of got got me going because we didn't have even though there was a lot of music in the house there wasn't a lot of like good drum music mm-hmm. you know that was it was yeah. the community the like church that my dad was a part of and stuff like that was still a little bit backwards in some of those things and it was very it was very white it was very like not a lot of rhythm (laughs) not a lot of rhythm you know play play a Bach chorale and it's you know kind Um, of got this gorgeous charm to it and all the off-key harmonies and stuff like that (laughs) but um not a lot of like actual things going on and so um they said you know you get to try out different things for school band or whatever and uh you know so i went towards the drum i wanted to play guitar but we didn't like Uh know anybody um that really played or Mm -hmm. where to get lessons because we were so spread out and stuff like this and this was like right when the internet was starting to come around but our Mm -hmm. connections were still really low in the area we had dial up way into whenever just because like uh the the country yeah, internet yeah. was there so we couldn't even really you know go and search out these things like oh, a lot man. of kids these days could do they yeah. have that in their pocket uh-huh. um so 
there was there's some cool stuff there like there was some really square stuff that we had to play and stuff like mm-hmm. that but definitely taught me a lot i just ate it up you know i cool. i did all of the bands in school um nice. it's you know i marched around with the drum line and did um concert band the I, you know the gigs where you're sitting and you're just mm-hmm. Waiting for one cymbal roll and things like that. <laughs> I remember watching those guys back there. They're just like most of the time are standing there, like sticks in the air. Oh yeah, it, oh, and then there's one thing for the yeah. whole piece, and if you miss it, it's completely mm-hmm. gone. Oh. <laughs> one there's, chance, one shot. There's a great. Uh, it's a Swedish movie called The Sound of Noise. Um, that it's like it's kind of this absurdist comedy where it's like following these six percussionists that like take over a city and hold it hostage oh for for performances wow. and then it's like following the detective that's kind of hunting them down <laughs> and when they're you know so it's got kind of like some of the heist tropes where you're putting together the crew and stuff like that because the dude's written this awesome. kind of crazy thing it's great you should check it out um, awesome. but one of the when they're putting the crew together one of them is the guy playing for the philharmonic and they're playing I don't even remember what it is, but it has one timpani hit. <laughs> and it's just this great scene that like any concert percussionist would understand. Because oh, like they get up to it and then they stop. And he's like, he's on beat, but the director's like, oh, you're a little early. Oh, you're late. Are you in a different time zone? What's going you know? And then he just like breaks down and just gets thrown out. It's great. Um, but yeah, so definitely had those types of gigs. Um, we actually had a percussion ensemble where we got to do some cooler like a little bit more avant-garde stuff Mm -hmm. um and that was you know i had no clue that there were people doing these types of composition things but you'd have like pieces where you take like i don't know you're playing a cardboard box or something and that's literally how it's written into the music or you hit like a a a break thing a break drum from Mm. a, a a a car with a hammer uh-huh. and uh-huh. Like, like that's cool i want to do that <laughs> you know yeah. or like you're taking like plastic tubing and doing it into like a bull roar mm-hmm. over your head and stuff like that so i got a little bit of exposure to some of the you know a little bit more modern stuff in that kind mm-hmm. of vein um which was which was cool mm-hmm. um so from and that was the majority of my my music growing up that just consumed me because there was nothing else going on uh-huh. uh, between that and then like church stuff because that mm-hmm. was kind of the overarching constant presence uh-huh. of uh-huh. that so this was something where I felt like I could have a little bit more of my own voice yeah I could yeah. do some things that are a little bit different and because it was like through school and stuff it was kind of approved by my parents and <laughs> approved rebellion <laughs> yeah you know like I, I was never one of these kids my my way of of breaking free of that wasn't like the typical like pastor's kid like you just go crazy or something mm-hmm. like that that's that's just not how i coped with it um the i kind of went the other way i'm like to get the attention and stuff i'm going to be the best version of this that i'm going mm-hmm. to be nice. um and so like i actually thought I was gonna be a youth pastor for a while and stuff like oh. that and went to school for that no way yeah oh. yeah it's kind of crazy oh, <laughs> um yeah so and that's just a lot of dealing with the um 
I'm trying to think of how to articulate it. It's just me figuring out my own voice in the midst of yeah. all of that and kind of what I really want out of life and you know what what actually resonates with me, not just mm -hmm. what kind of fits the mold or yeah. Ow, yeah. you're getting your claws in my jeans. <laughs> Margot is sweet until yeah. she's sharp. This is, I mean, two out of three episodes and there's been a pet for two of them. Yeah. Uh, so it's becoming a theme. It is. And she's just a love bug. So you might even hear the purring. Yeah, yeah. On. If anyone hears that there is a cat, we've, we've got a third guest that is now me. So yeah, like finding, I feel like that finding your own voice thing, it's like a, a part of growing up. Yeah. Um, in a way and like coming from a like religious environment as a young person I feel like that finding of one's individual voice has like I don't know what connotations around it or like barriers or like but there's there's like or like with any religion there's like a way set out of how to be and like when a young human like or when I took that in it was like you know, there, there's so little for a, a child's brain to contextualize things so it's like it becomes like a box and then like that finding your own voice is like how does like what what is outside of that box and for you or like or just like how do I expand this box that is like my perception and like you were able to do that through through drums a little bit yeah it sounds like yeah that was that was kind of my way my way out um, and it's it's been a, a long a long thing um, but it's it, it's it definitely makes it difficult to f have that because at least at least for for me kind of one of the big things that was a part of the community not just for my parents but like the the church that was there and stuff like that like I said there was a lot of good stuff that happened but there was some like pretty toxic overarching things of this emphasis on like what is god's will and it's like this very kind of you have one shot at doing this and you know you can there's this idea quote unquote of forgiveness but it's like it's it's kind of like a per, you get a smaller percentage of that love depending on the choices you make you know um and that's yeah that's not a healthy way of of interacting with life yeah. so like on one hand it like it raises the stakes and it does make you like take life very intentionally and very seriously and things like that but then there's this kind of like built-in shame if you're mm -hmm. even just over like not necessarily existence um like like a lot of my catholic friends that just kind of have this like <laughs> so, catholic guilt over existence yeah. coming from it was more of like an evangelical protestant type thing and so it's like we have kind of this work guilt that mm. ends where you have to like be doing something to uh, go and earn this or <laughs> whatever yeah, you want to yeah. say that's like if you're not doing something productive like uh, i even um uh, heard, hear that in my parents and in and my grandpa who passed last uh year mm. was like as some of the things that were like really difficult for him as he was passing it is like I can't be doing anything. So this is like a, a generational thing that my parents picked up and I'm I'm trying to be empathetic and like see now that I'm an adult, like that they really 
did do a good job. They they did what they could yeah, to yeah. move beyond where they came from. Because like mm. there's stories of my mother that's like, um, she grew up in Bolivia as a oh. missionary's kid. Oh, okay. Um, and my grandparents were um, down there doing like ambulance work with um, planes and stuff like that because Whoa. the roads were so bad. Like you'd think they'd be the coolest people ever. I have a picture of grandpa looking like Indiana Jones on like one of the jungle rivers, no but they're like, they were the most boring people ever. <laughs> you know, you go to your house and it's just like, oh my gosh. Uh -huh. But there's stories of like, while she was there, like what she and her sister wore um, was dictated by her grandmother. So my grandfather's mother living back in the States. So she's wow. their continent away, but it was like this passive aggressive, like through letters and stuff like that. Like we got this picture of you and you weren't wearing a, a dress or something like that. And they're like kids climbing trees and you know, like, so it's, yeah. So they had their own stuff, both my mother and my father had their own stuff and that they needed to get through like anybody in life. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I'm trying to be empathetic, but also recognize that like, especially when it came to art and, music is part of that but art in general it was very cloistered and kind of art was subservient to a message and a particular mm -hmm. theological message mm -hmm. that it needs to be saying a specific thing and you can't just experience it so mm -hmm. it quickly became propaganda <laughs> yeah, and yeah, yeah. you know like oh, yeah. it wasn't and you also had to take into consideration like just content matter in general um mm -hmm. like the biggest artists in my family were like thomas kincaid you know like super <laughs> square stuff like that you know <laughs> yeah i know him from the coasters yeah exactly <laughs> my grandma loved thomas kincaid <laughs> so like recognizing that they came where you know, they, they, they made mm -hmm. some progress, but I still needed something different. Yeah. That's been kind of a more okay, recent yeah. thing. Hmm. Um, let me get the Ooh, bread and see yeah. how this goes. It smells amazing, dude. Like, that is awesome. Well, thank you, there sir. You go, yeah. I took a bite out of some. Nice. starting to come mm -hmm. through mm -hmm. yeah that lemon thyme we picked it up on a whim and we started using it in everything now because mm -hmm. it's got like i don't know that little bit of savory but then that like kind of sweet zesty mm. pop of the lemon wow so it's lemon thyme yeah so I, I put like the zest of a lemon in there okay. too mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to kind of help bring it out okay i was like but, yeah, you can grab some on your way out. Like it's already going gangbusters. Mm. The leaves are really small, so it's kind of mm -hmm. a pain. Mm -hmm. But not so. time. Yeah. Cool. This is awesome. Thanks. Cool. I'm glad it turned out. I was mm -hmm. I was a little nervous about how it was proofing, but um, I'm Heck yeah. Margo is not leaving you alone at all. 
Exactly. Somebody new. <laughs> she is the best for retaining students. Um, so I teach drum mm-hmm. lessons out of here. I oh, have a cool. handful of, of students that come to the house. Um, and even on the online ones um, that I teach, like, they'll, I'll, I have this like one 12 year old kid that's obsessed with Margot. Um, Cause she'll like <laughs> hop up in my lap if we're like working on um, like practice pad stuff or mm-hmm. something like that. Oh my goodness. And she <laughs> greets everybody like she did you today. And like, <laughs> especially with the younger kids, they're just obsessed with her. Mm-hmm. So a studio cat. Pretty much. That's yeah. great. So you've, did you like, you started on piano, but then you went into drums. Yeah. yeah. And like you, you, I know you as like a drummer. I know you do other instruments as well, but like, sure. do you, do you consider yourself like a drummer first and foremost? Uh, that's where I've gotten the most experience. That's um, fair. And mm-hmm. part of the K. Edward Smith project has been wrestling with that identity in a way. Wrestling, it's, that sounds so like dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been having this struggle. No, it's like, like internal artist you, you know, <laughs> I don't want to be just Ringo. He wrote one good song and it was about an octopus or something like that. <laughs> You know, but like that, that we drummers have that like baked into our mythology at mm-hmm. least. Um, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, I started as a drummer and there's a lot of things that are kind of baked into how I interact with music um, because of that. So rhythm and, and groove and a lot of the mood um, comes from the drums mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. kind of the sense of, I always, when I, teach especially like if they're playing in a band setting like like a rock band or a pop band or something like that um talk about leading from behind um so you're not kind of the the person out in front like pulling along you're building this foundation and you do so much to whether it's like explicitly cueing like here's the next section of the song guys um or if it's just with like how you're approaching the texture of like how you're hitting the drums you can change that in a really dynamic way Un- you can get some of that with a guitar but like voice and drums are some of the most dynamic very human instruments yeah. uh, and so you can do a lot to kind of help move people and have a, have an experience through that mm-hmm. um and so like i i take that into the songwriting and the composing and i've you know, and I feel like it provides a little bit of a unique perspective mm-hmm. um, in that way, which is cool. Um, yeah, so like I know shamefully little about that project of yours, <laughs> but you like were like singing and writing the songs. And, like, yeah. Kind of fronting the group, right? I mean, it's your name on it. Yeah, yeah. So that's, um, that was a, and still is uh, where I kind of slide my solo written singer songwriter folky type things as well as some of the composition things Mm -hmm. um so basically it's my solo project okay um transitioning from doing just kind of playing in a band um or juggling a couple bands and doing session work to 
I was writing at the time and I was finding like these songs don't really fit anything else. They're very personal. They're very me. I need to complete the loop and actually share these songs in some way, shape or form so that I can actually improve as a writer um, instead of just letting them collect space on a hard drive or mm -hmm. play them for a couple friends or something like that. Like actually putting it out as a some sort of official release or something mm -hmm. like that uh, helped me keep that ball rolling forward. And so what I did to kind of kickstart that was in, this was 2019, I think. Yeah, June of 2019. I decided to write, release, or write, record, and then release, not release before we recorded it, um, a new song every three weeks. So I kind of got this very structured cycle going and do that for a year. Um, and I committed to that and I saw it through, which was really cool. Hell um, yeah. And this is, you know, informed by a lot of different things, like coming from uh, playing in like crusty punk bands and having kind of a, a love affair with some of the indie groups from the 80s that were yeah. just hopping in the van and yeah. starting their own record labels on a, a table and, um, you know, like, and this was before the internet and before things like they're just like fuck it let's do it you know and so that kind of fuck it let's do it attitude has helped me a lot nice. <laughs> and so i eventually i'm like you know yeah let's let's just go for it and see what happens and having kind of a very structured way of writing and sharing songs um for the first part of it was was very helpful to me and very cool some of them are just garbage <laughs> as any songwriter will know so I, i've been doing writing before then but this was like i was still pretty fresh writing as a as a solo artist mm -hmm. um and then also like recording the guitar and stuff like that like i was very mediocre at guitar I'm still pretty mediocre at guitar, <laughs> but a lot less mediocre, <laughs> and I'm finding things that work well for me. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but a lot of them, you know, I, I still, I'm like, man, I should, <coughs> excuse me, pull those down or yeah. I, those don't represent who I am. But mm -hmm. I think ultimately it's the story of going from the the first song that I released versus the last song I released in that year. So I've I've been writing mm -hmm. since then and keep playing and stuff like that. But kind of those I think the total was eighteen. Um, seeing the progression in there as well as it's just the whole narrative of it. Mm -hmm. It's this really cool artifact. Yeah. And yeah. I think that that's part of what really attracted me to some of those like those indie bands and some of those early punk bands where it's like you can do this too essentially you yeah, know yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. um where you, there's some records where you kind of are hearing them learn their instruments <laughs> as they go and you're kind of doing that with mm -hmm. with this and for someone that's a teacher um and also just with that whole kind of background of really trying to find a, a voice and an individuality and all of that 
I think we need more of those types of narratives of, no, these are skills, you can learn them, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and here's the process. We're so used to just the finished product of a song. Yeah, yeah. And kind of this mythology of you are granted this from the cosmos. Um, you know, you have this special gift and if you don't use it up by 27 and burn out bright, you're just some <laughs> lame fucking loser, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of our mythology in like yeah. the rock world, um, the musician world, isn't mm -hmm. it? Like you have, look at like, old school outlaw country guys yeah. and stuff like that you know yeah. like yeah. it's yeah. a lot of just american musicians in general uh -huh. is um there's this kind of perpetual obsession with with youth with you're just you have this genius this kind of cult of genius and all of the behind the scenes things that help actually like communicate those songs to people mm -hmm. aren't mm -hmm. told yeah but yeah and so like those are fun myths and narratives in a, in uh -huh. a way they're kind of this structuring like really iconic type of thing but it's not necessarily a healthy way to live your uh -huh. life and it's not a healthy way to teach people how to actually do mm -hmm. this yeah and yeah. i it took me a long time to find that you know where it's like oh no i can't actually do this this is a skill and you get mm -hmm. better at it mm -hmm. the more you do it like any other skill yeah yeah um, yeah, so. it doesn't require divine intervention. Yeah. I mean, divine intervention helps. But it it like, does, yeah. It, it, it helps a lot more if you've been like putting in the work. Yeah, while, yeah. Right? It's the whole idea of like, even if you have some sort of like image of a, a muse or whatever language you want to use for that. And I, I think that's helpful. Your creativity or whatever that kind of comes and goes. Like, where is it going to go? Someone who's being more like, responsible or not responsible but like actually using the thing and, and mm -hmm. working on sharing this with people or mm -hmm. I don't know it, it goes where it goes if, yeah, you, if you use yeah, that yeah. <laughs> the, the, what's the fun quote uh, energy goes where attention flows yeah something like that yeah for to make it rhyme nice that that's really cool yeah and like that I think that view of like art being only the finished product like it's very like 20th century like I feel like that's very like middle of like, it's I could see like that coming out of like the 30s and the 40s yeah. and being like I mean the the 20th century was rough and yeah. so like to get to have those people be exposed to such like awful shit then they like wanted something to forget about like the realities and so art was made that like had all the process stripped out of it because like people didn't want to know about the process they didn't want the struggle they just yeah. wanted like to go to the movies and like enjoy a flick which there's nothing wrong with right. that like but now we want something different and i've been thinking more about that too like the process of creating the art being like the at least for me being in like the creative position the process is the most important part yeah it's all like it's more so uh the thing that needs attention than like the show like the show is just like a small like pinhole of time that like this whole 
like energy building is leading towards and so like the bulk of like life is that preparation process and to like get in touch with that and like be able to enjoy the process makes you know it, it, it makes for a, a, a better life you, I mean, you hopefully won't be a miserable artist now. yeah gotta, like be able to enjoy that time and not just be like aching to get on stage or something right yeah 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 so like you then leave up I'm trying to writing a film score like <laughs> that just seems like such a wild thing and I mean I guess maybe it's your fuck it let's do it attitude kind of like, yeah <laughs> I, I guess you just do it you did it so yeah and we oh. put it on and it like it all, it all came together great like, yeah yeah it, it did didn't it yeah uh, it was really yeah. bad <laughs> it was a struggle there was some str- real yeah, struggle in yeah. the process but like uh, I, I, I I enjoyed the whole process. Like, yeah. The, even the, the bullshit we had to get through was like a <laughs> just part of it. Oh, it made the, the performance more emotional in a way. Yeah, like, yeah, um, yeah. And I I appreciated kind of your approach, bringing like a lot of theater and dance and stuff like that. Where I feel like for that, and we can talk about the composition, um, and that in a bit. We'll, we'll back up to this, yeah. um, but I just want to say, like, I appreciate kind of, you, you got the vibe of the composition, yeah. um, and you really put yourself into that, and mm-hmm. I, it was cool. It was. So I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, it, it did have, like, a very uh, theatrical aspect to it, like, even the music, and, like, from that film, like, it's, like, it worked so well, like, there was so much theatrics in the film that you were able to like musically cue in on and like communicate with sound that like for me having a background in like theater performance and musical performance I was able to like combine them together and it just like jived so that was awesome yeah Yeah. like a way I didn't really ever anticipate those two worlds to like come together so that yeah for me was really interesting too cool and it wasn't difficult like it like felt natural uh, from my standpoint awesome yeah yeah um yeah so that was I started work on that a couple months after I wrapped up um the year of songwriting um so that was October 2020 um, so like that was still, you know, pandemic year. Um, mm-hmm. we had been planning on doing a tour with, um, my metal band Assimilator. We were still called Death on Fire back then. And we had just <laughs> oh, released. Called Death on Fire De- No, no. Death on Fire is dead. <laughs> yes. Death on Fire is dead. Long live Assimilator. It's a much better band name. Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> it's a lot awesome. better band name. <laughs> I love Death on Fire. Like, it's, it's classic, but Assimilator is, yeah. is, I think, yeah. It's, well, that's it's another cool. one where it's like, it's hard to find, like, in, it's it's interesting it's kind of kind of shitty it's like we're playing it's the same people we're playing the same song uh-huh. we changed the band name and like a couple of like and the logo uh-huh. and people are like i get it this is amazing you know and like they're just responding <laughs> yeah. so much better yeah. at the shows and it, you know it it's kind of an object lesson in no this stuff like 
as shitty as it is, is mm-hmm. like, and it sounds super douchey, but like taking the time to really kind of make sure your branding and the stuff like mm-hmm. that is like reflects what you're trying to do artistically. Yeah, yeah. It helps communicate what's going on and mm-hmm. like it gives people kind of a hand to be like, mm-hmm. okay, come along with me. Yeah. You yeah. know, so you can take the kind of well, like, fuck you, all that should matter is the music. It's like mm-hmm. it's that idea of no, meet the people where they're at yeah, and don't yeah. start off saying, you know, like arms crossed and they're like, mm-hmm. no, you, you don't get what we're doing. Yeah. You know, yeah. try to try to not pander and not talk down to people or anything, but mm-hmm. really do your best to actually communicate your art in mm-hmm. all of the process. Yeah. Um, it, so it's kind of an object lesson in that for us. But anyway, yeah. so we had just released Ghost Songs um, and we were going to do uh, like a week long tour or something like that in, right in mm-hmm. March. And we just oh, saw, yeah. uh, like, it was like a week yeah. right when, week before was when all the shutdowns happening. Uh-huh. So we're uh-huh. not scrambling, but we're like, what do we do now? Uh-huh. Like everybody else. <laughs> um, so I was still, you know, in the process of writing the songs, um, the doing the, the uh, every three weeks songwriting process. Mm-hmm. That went through June of 2020. So okay. like... Going through that, things okay. were changing at um, School of Rock, where we both work, and that's actually mm-hmm. where we met. Um, and both with the pandemic, and I was just I was getting ready to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had a lot of a lot of things, you know, kind of just okay. What do I do now? Yeah. Um, and so in October, I decided to. Um, yeah, I decided to say, fuck it, let's do this, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Um, it had been kind of in the back of my mind uh-huh. for a long time. So did, you, did you know about the film? Like, had you seen So I, I hadn't seen Dementia okay. prior to starting looking for a film to score. Okay. So I had it in the back of my mind that I wanted to do a film score. Okay. Um, and specifically with the end goal of playing it live. Because there's been a couple shows here in town where people have done it. Um, I didn't get to go to the Metropolis one. That was Metavari. I know you said you went. Yeah, I did. I had a couple other friends there. Um, There was another one that was, it was like an ambient band out of Nashville or something. And it was another like 20s German sci-fi film. And like, I love a lot of sci-fi. I love a lot of German art from that uh-huh. interwar period, like yeah, the expressionism uh, yeah. stuff is just beautiful and like uh-huh. just so dark and like it's beautiful in yeah. like its grotesqueness and it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I'm like, um, this could have been so awesome, but they it was not really my bag. Then I think it was more like here's kind of a projection that kind of mm-hmm. set a vibe, and then we're gonna play. And it wasn't really like responding to the music and it wasn't really composed and like mm-hmm. I'm all for improvisation and stuff there was a mm-hmm. lot of improvisation in the writing mm-hmm. of the dementia score um, but I felt like there was kind of this disconnect between the music and the film and mm-hmm. kind of the emotion of the performers and I'm like yeah. oh I want to do this and like 
essentially do it right. <laughs> not not to like talk uh -huh. down or I just didn't like that performance. Yeah, and yeah. So I'm like, this could have been so cool. Uh -huh. I want to try my hand at it. Mm -hmm. So I've been kind of in the back of my mind um, to to do that, and so I've been you know doing a couple like test things, making sure my um, methods were working. I took like a couple short classes on film scoring oh, and nice. stuff like that Smart. um just to like see how other people are doing it mm -hmm. i read ennio morricone's biography or autobiography um mm, and okay. uh because he had just passed away recently too and okay. he's one of my all-time favorite composers oh, cool. what has he done like um, anything uh, so he he was he composed since like the 60s he did the okay. He, his, probably the most famous ones he did were like the Sergio Leone uh, spaghetti westerns, so oh, Good, Bad, and the Ugly, the okay. the whistling oh, and stuff like cool, that. Um, cool. So he he was in like the kind of out there Italian um, mm -hmm. art film scene, mm -hmm. and then he went on to do some really beautiful scores throughout his life, uh, including um, the Hateful Eight. That was his last one. Um, so he ended with a Western <laughs> as well. Uh, my favorite of his is the mission um, in the middle. There's just these, and especially the falls from that. It's mm. just gorgeous cool. um, how he writes. And he was one of those that did, he took a lot of like these avant-garde ideas. So he was like learning, composing, and starting as a young composer, like, when John Cage was around and Philip Glass was around okay. and stuff like that. So he's kind of from that scene, but then he took some of those ideas and put them into more of a pop culture form. Mm -hmm. um, and I've always been interested in kind of those liminal spaces in between things where you're like yeah. pulling from two different things. You come up with something yeah. more interesting there. So mm -hmm. um, like he's definitely a, a somebody that I look up to and stuff like that. I, and this score is nowhere close to his compositions. <laughs> but, you know, like I was in the yeah, headspace. Yeah. I was kind of preparing myself for this. And then um, I had the time because I had left yeah. the school <laughs> and we were still mid-pandemic. Yeah. And um, I'm like, fuck it, let's do this, you know? Oh, yeah, so yeah. The, a lot of the, the fuck it, let's do this is kind of informed by preparation and thought beforehand <laughs> yeah. but at some point it's like okay let's go <laughs> you yeah, know yeah yeah I, I get that like you're saying fuck this block that is preventing me from just putting pencil to paper yeah and like because there uh there's like i, I kind of call it analysis paralysis like you could spend forever preparing and like being like oh well I need to think about this some more. Like, what if this goes down? And there's no way that like you can anticipate everything that will come up in any process, let alone a creative process. And so, like, you gotta eventually say, I mean, fuck it. I don't know how this is gonna go, really. And so, I better just find out. Yeah. Yeah. It's like fuck the the unknowing, like the doubt about whether it'll work or not. It's yeah, gonna, it's gonna work yeah. in one way or another. We're kind of like midwives of our creative pieces, right? <laughs> yeah. Where you're, you gotta let it, let the the baby grow <laughs> as long as when it's, you know, 
to a certain point, but then there's a certain point where you gotta make a decision or it's it's coming and you gotta mm-hmm. you gotta do the thing, you know? <laughs> and yeah. you get better at recognizing uh-huh. those things over time. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um yeah. <laughs> um, I've never birthed a child. I neither have I. Never I. Will, but like I maybe someone who has can inform a if any of them have also written film scores, comparison. <laughs> like, how do those compare to trust? Right. <laughs> This was as painful as childhood. <laughs> I am very. I understand women's pain as, as a as a heteronormative cis male man, white man, who's written a film score. Who has written you a film know. score? Here's what you gotta do. You know, you just gotta make sure the baby's ready. <laughs> so mid pandemic, you're you're writing this. That's, yeah, yeah. That's interesting, and I guess for like, uh, it's it's. Uh, wild film and it like is. It, the the whole like energy of the world was like in sync with that yeah like, I bet you didn't have to like do much to get in a headspace similar to that piece no <laughs> like, no it was definitely the right time yeah. for it yeah. um and it's so i was looking for films to score just kind of scrolling through old public domain films looking especially at like sci-fi films old horror films um and i was specifically looking for things that were you know a little bit out there that would give some space for um some some fun so like there was one one of the practice pieces i did was it was like this 70s like ski horror movie where like a yeti takes over the it's so bad but it's so good Like the oh uh, the Yeti like comes and attacks the ski resort or something. Oh They're having God. like a ski prom. <laughs> it's like and like there's this great shot of like the Yeti like climbing up the window and stuff uh-huh. like that. So like I was looking for it could have been funny. It could have you know like uh-huh. I'm thinking more like B horror movies. Yeah, yeah. That's, I stumbled across Dementia, and it's definitely a wild film for those of you guys that haven't seen it. Um, but one of the things that really stuck out to me before I even got into like the story of the film and then like all the controversy around its release, Mm -hmm. I knew nothing of that when I was, I was starting the film, uh, or starting my score to it. Uh, I just knew that it's like, because the original didn't have dialogue, Mm -hmm. um, it would be easy to put my score with it without having to like try and cut in vocals or like mm-hmm. overdub or just like turn it into a silent film mm-hmm. and all those things mm-hmm. can happen but I wanted to like make it kind of an honest experience and let the film stand on its own in kind of the way the artist had or the director had intended it mm-hmm. um, and so I was kind of enthralled by it when I, yeah. st- I just yeah. stumbled across it and yeah and from there I just kind of said fuck it let's do this cool cool how long did it take you then so the initial um recording and composition process was actually pretty quick mm-hmm. um within about a couple months a month and a half okay cool um so the process that i really followed for most of it was live improvisation with the film so i kind of okay. created some boundaries around the composition process saying I don't want to use um, any like software instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to just 
download contact player and like all of a sudden you have this big Hollywood cinema score. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, like that's yeah. kind of really easy to do, which is both cool, but it's also are you saying anything if that's mm-hmm. all you do? Mm-hmm. Like I'm not saying people who do that is I wanted something a little bit yeah. different for what I was doing. Um so I limited it to instruments I had in the house. And so we have a bunch of kind of abandoned instruments around here. My wife mm-hmm. and I joke that our house is an orphanage <laughs> for instruments that nobody wants anymore. <laughs> like, we haven't bought like many of these. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, there's weird stuff lying around. Yeah, there. there's That's just awesome. weird stuff lying around. So like, um, and then some, some handmade instruments too. Yeah. Um, like the cigar box guitar yeah. you played. Um, so I'd been, I found a book on how to build those oh, and okay. I had been messing around with it previously for one of the songs in that like year long challenge oh, that I was cool. doing. Um, and I'm like, Oh yeah, this is cool. Let's, let's do this. So yeah. like, I'm hand working all of it, listening to Nick Cave's murder ballads, trying to like <laughs> work some nasty mojo into it. And I think it worked cause yeah. it sounds gross. And, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. It sounds like death. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's like the uh, violin from hell or yeah. something like that. Um, and so like I, you know, I was looking for a little bit unique sounds like that, that kind of fit the, the violence of the film, the psychological terror of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, I had my sister's um, keem from Thailand. Um, okay, so yeah. for those of you guys who don't know what a keem is, which is probably most of you, uh, and that sounds really pretentious, but that's not how I intended it. Um, it's, it's not a familiar Western <laughs> instrument. I didn't know what it was until my sister brought it home from a trip to Thailand. Um, it's, it's like a dulcimer. Yeah, it's um, like a hammer dulcimer. Like a hammer dulcimer. And the Thai scale is very different than the Western scale, yeah, like a lot of yeah, Eastern yeah. scales that are more microtonal. Uh-huh. Um, and it hasn't been tuned in like 10 years <laughs> anyways. And it's like, I don't know precisely how to tune it and uh-huh. I didn't really want to. So we were using that both kind of in the traditional um, way you hit it with like the felt hammers, but also with some some effects um so there's a composer from the early 20th century um really cool guy just one of these out there outsider dudes um harry parch um i i yeah i've heard of yeah, him. yeah yeah there's they he was an instrument builder uh oh, and he cool. he um kind of invented his own he, more than kind of he invented his own tuning system oh. that's like essentially 42 notes in the space of a regular octave and yeah and then he created instruments to play within that and it was to more accurately represent human speech was kind of his thing with all the different inflections and personality to that and so he got big into like using that to accompany like somebody sharing their story or like kind of in the Greek tradition of having the chorus backing it up. And in the theater, he did a lot of kind of live performances like that. Now I think all his instruments are like Pacific Northwest now, or most of them. And they have like a museum there. I think you can like go be a part of this ensemble. I think it's open to people, but you have to like live there and you gotta really commit to like 
Yeah. Learning the tuning and learning <laughs> all this thing. There's some yeah. great walkthroughs. One of my favorite instruments of his is this bass marimba. It's like seven feet tall. So the guy who's like the curator of it, there's this video of him walking around introducing people. And he's a tall dude. He's like 6'5". <laughs> and he looks like he's playing amongst Legos. So you have to like get oh up goodness. here and it's this giant resonator. It's basically wow. like a 2 by 8 that they've tuned uh -huh. to this like... 20 hertz or something like that. Oh my god. And they, he was saying that like the one practice room they have like physically isn't big enough to actually hear the tone for the, that frequency oh, to develop. There's not no enough space. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like it's crazy stuff like that. Um, wow. And he's a really cool dude, really inspiring dude. Never went to music school. He was homeless for most oh, of his man. life. Uh, he, he's just this dude that was kind of always outside of everybody else yeah, um, but yeah. made some really really cool music uh -huh. um, so he had one of one of his instruments was called a harmonic cannon which was kind of like a harp on its uh -huh. side okay. and it was this big resonator and you could tune it in different mm. ways so like with the keem I started using it like that uh -huh. to get a similar sound uh -huh. less particular about the tuning uh -huh. of course um, but so it was things like that you know mm. so I was experimenting yeah. with different timbres and different um, different instruments that we had just lying around and those were kind of the, the things so in composing I what I would do is I essentially just set up a you know set up the recording system whatever I was using mm -hmm. for that instrument hit play on the movie and do a live improvisation oh, with it okay and you know there's a lot of kind of trial and error a lot of um, seeing what works and what does it uh, but I felt that that kind of created a very personal thing and, and that's probably some of what we were talking about earlier where it's that very dramatic and kind of performed like very connected mm -hmm. to what the characters are feeling and um, I, I think I'm happy with how, how like the vibe yeah. that came through uh, and so a lot of the ways of performing it are kind of violent to the instrument. You have to really dig <laughs> in there and, you know, the sounds aren't necessarily pretty sounds in uh -huh. a lot of them. Um, and to me, that's kind of cool. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and what I like about my, my score and kind of what I was shooting for, um, you've, you, you've recently watched the original mm -hmm. one, right? Mm -hmm. So like, I, the original one is really cool on its own right. The composer who did it is an important avant-garde composer, um, George Antile. I think I said yeah. it right. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, he had some really cool out there compositions and then he went and did film scores. Um, okay. But his, his score, what I felt lacked, and it might just be progression of time and what we mm -hmm. feel now when we hear it just didn't have kind of a shocking value mm -hmm. it, it, it did mm -hmm. but it it's it didn't hit me viscerally like the images did yeah yeah I agree I agree that it's this kind of high screeching voice and that's warbling throughout and then like a, a big band piece and mm -hmm. stuff like that mm -hmm. and it's cool it works it's it fits kind of this weird scene that's going on yeah, yeah. but I to me it's like I wanted to crank up the the physical intensity um, and the emotional intensity of the images I was seeing 
mm-hmm. in kind of this very surreal, intense, violent film mm-hmm. um, that's kind of couched in B, 50s B-movie <laughs> garb. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I f- that's kind of where my head was at with that. And so yeah. most of what you hear on the, on the score is live with okay. it. There's, uh, you know, a little bit of edits here oh, or there, oh. like... Let's line up this crash symbol a little bit better yeah. with this thing. I was like uh-huh. half a second late or something mm-hmm. like that because it is improvised. So it's not all true improvisation, but it's based mm-hmm. in improvisation and then that way. So the composing was uh, about a month and a half of that. Just me locked cool. upstairs in a room making weird sounds. And, nice, <laughs> and nice. it was it was cool. Um, the longer portion of it was actually transcribing what yeah, I was doing. I that took about, that. about a year, honestly, <laughs> yeah. off and on, uh-huh. um, because I didn't have a venue set or a mm-hmm. set thing. And that itself was kind of its own trial and error to, okay, here are all of these like intense extended techniques that don't have a normal writing system. Yeah. 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 Um, how do I come up with a way of communicating that with mm-hmm. other people mm-hmm. other than just saying, okay, listen, this is you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then also to have an artifact of here is a score. Here's mm-hmm. something I, I'm somebody who likes tangible yeah. things, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, so that, that was a long process for sure. Yeah. I wondered about that. Yeah. And the, the cigar box guitar had a lot of like, there were a, a lot of weird ways yeah. that made sound with that, like picking and bowing below the bridge, just, yeah. just smacking it right. with a violin. Right, bow. you gotta like shake it to get a certain yeah. vibrato out of yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, and like the ways that you annotated that in the music, like I just had, it was fun to look at. Like, you know, I hadn't, I, my, I didn't do band or anything, sure. but I did choir and so like read music in that setting. And so I had never like seen music that looked like that. It just looks weird. Yeah. <laughs> the, the physical reflects what it sounds like. It like looks like it sounds. And that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, and that probably goes back to some of those like weird percussion pieces. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. we would have that where it's like, you know, there might be like a rhythm notated or it's like in, an actual written like text score mm. where it's oh, like cool. or like a certain part would be that where it's like okay do this for so long and then you know uh-huh. and, um so that's that's fun oh. in its own right too yeah huh that's interesting so that's super that's super cool you just like went in and did all those sounds yourself yeah wow wow that's fantastic and it turned out great like Thanks. yeah people who like I talked to who checked it out, really enjoyed it. Um, like, and it's not something that you see every day. Like it, it was definitely in like that outskirts area. Um, and that was a little of what drew me to the project. I mean, just from like when you first posted the picture of this score on Facebook, I remember that's the first thing I saw about it. I was like, what? Holy shit, he wrote a film score. I commented on it. I was yeah, like, dude, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Like, let me know when it happens. I'll yeah. be there. And then you asked me to be in the <laughs> ensemble. I was like, yeah. no way. This is great. And yeah, I mean, it, it, it was a super, like, 
it, it, it pushed it pushed me as like a, a musician and like got me to think like think about music in a different way and like anything that does that I think is incredibly valuable um, so has it been released yet because we filmed and recorded yeah. the performance we did right yeah so everything is is up um, both the original studio recording, so of me improvising and, mm-hmm. and the um, and mixed and whatnot, um, that is up on on the internet for download. I think mm-hmm. it's like ninety nine cents or something oh, like cool. that. Yeah. Um, so I think that's at kedwardsmith.com slash dementia. Cool. Um, so that should be pretty easy to find. And then the um, recording of the performance is up on YouTube awesome. as well. I think that's on the Right Brain Records okay. um, page. But cool. there's also, it's in like one of the playlists on my channel. Okay, sweet, sweet. I'll make sure to get yeah. links to that so I can put all that yeah, in the show notes so people can just get right on over to that and see it. Cause yeah, I, I definitely want to share that with people. Like, I think it's it's yeah, it's not it's, for everybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm I'm really pleased to hear like people enjoyed it because mm-hmm. there there were times working on it, I'm like nobody's gonna dig this. <laughs> this is an hour of screechy bullshit. Like, <laughs> which in a way it is. It is like really cool. Screechy I know, bullshit. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I think like a lot of people are like into that and like we like you were saying and we were talking about earlier like wanting different things yeah. from art than like has been created in the past and like wanting to do it in a way that like you like and you enjoy um like the the girl who had the art up that night at the show i got to talk yeah. to her for a little bit i want to get in contact with her and try and interview her on the show absolutely but she took like she would find old frames at like vintage shops and like secondhand stores and refurbish them a little bit, paint them and then put her photography in them. And so she was like taking a piece of old work of old art and like history and combining that with her own like new work and creating this piece that was like a combination of old and new and like, I think there's like that right now that's a, th- a thread weaving through a lot of like creative people's minds like okay we have so much that's been laid down and given to us what can we do with that and how can we reframe and rephrase things that like scratch the itch for us now that like that the artists and creatives were trying to scratch an itch 50 100 300 years ago like we can still take inspiration from that stuff like, right and it's i think it's cool that you were able to do that with this and like and and that's that liminal space like in, in, in like in time and in like humans and it's it, it's always super cool to see that and experience that uh for me like that's the stuff that i think yeah. is, is really worthwhile um that like hits deep yeah though yeah. that's what you know that's that's one of the things that once I experienced art that did that for me and I'm like that's what I was missing when I was growing up where, yeah. you know, I don't get that from Thomas Kincaid <laughs> I never have either <laughs> you know it's uh, you know that it's art that takes risks um, is, is a big part of that yeah, I think yeah. but also that something that where there's that deep 
resonance, even if you can't quite explain it, you know, and honestly, if you can't explain it, a lot of times that resonance goes away, Yeah, you know, yeah, and, and so yeah. I, there's, there's pieces where like it was important at a time and then I kind of moved on from it and it, it, it has more of a nostalgia now mm. where, where, whether it's music, you know, we all have that, that music that we were yeah, into, yeah. you know, and there's a special <laughs> place in your heart there, but it just doesn't hold that same spot now, mm -hmm. um, or even visual art or something like this style or something was like really important at this time for me or, or for you or whomever. But, um, sorry, I'm, I'm circling here. The, I think looking for that resonance there, there's some pieces where there's that magic that's just there. Um, and so like when I go to like a, an art museum, that's what I'm, I'm kind of just wandering and searching through and then something will grab my eye or if same with, with music, if you know, somebody sends me something and that's what I'm, more what I'm looking for is that, that deep resonance mm -hmm. where it takes you to something else. And I think that part of getting there, I'm not, this isn't like a cohesive theory of art or something like mm -hmm. that, but part of how you get there is taking risks as a creative yeah. person. Um, and you know, not just being okay, we're doing a cover band. <laughs> yeah. you know like I, I didn't know there were that many tribute bands till I moved to Fort Wayne <laughs> you know like it, or whatever like your artist version uh -huh. or your 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 craft the version of that mm -hmm. uh, you're a cover band of that where it's yeah. like okay we're doing an homage to this style uh -huh. or something like that and uh -huh. there's there's a time and a place for that or like kind of tipping your hat to an influence or pulling mm -hmm. inspiration from like like the artists at the show um, where you're taking something old and you're, you're transforming it into something new. Yeah. You yeah, know? yeah. I think that's so much more powerful and creates more of that resonance yeah. than just doing it like that. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a time yeah. and a place for that where you're kind of learning or you want to do some a different style. Mm -hmm. um, and you, you go and you essentially copy you pull these things, you do your own little spin on it, but it's mm -hmm. not necessarily new. And I yeah, think that there's yeah. still things to be said in art, but part of our challenge in as artists in 2023 or whatever, <laughs> yeah, you know, whatever we're gonna be calling this time yeah. through history is part of our challenge is the fact that we are so aware of everything that has come before. Mm -hmm that nothing seems shocking, nothing seems, uh, stirs people up, <laughs> other than like, uh, I mean, there is that, mm -hmm. but it's it's not like necessarily in art. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and it's not even just for shock factor or something like that, but there's nothing that, it seems new and seems mm -hmm. fresh, mm -hmm. but there, there's artists that are doing it. Yeah, it just yeah. seems like it's difficult to find. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's worth seeking them out Absolutely. and finding them. Like just, uh, I mean, a little bit of that resonance goes a long way yeah. in my experience. Um, Kyle, K. Edward Smith, thanks for being on the show. Well, thank you for uh, having me. You have, you have a website, yes. you said. Where can people find you? Yeah, so the website is kedwardsmith.com. 
Um, there should mm -hmm. be links to everything there. Um, if you want to find the a copy of the film score, it's kedwardsmith.com slash dementia. Um, and that'll take you to a place where you can download the, um, the film and with the score like synced up um, so that you can watch it like that. Um, the, the YouTube handle is at kedwardsmith. Uh, Instagram mm -hmm. is there at Kayward Smith and Facebook cool. is I think at Kayward Smith Music. Cool. So sweet. Yeah. Links in the show notes. There you go. Yeah. I it's it's cool. Like the the internet fairy takes all of the links and puts them on Spotify. Oh, there like, you from go. The That's website. awesome. It's blowing my mind how this <laughs> stuff works. Like, really is. I feel like. It, I'm in the future, man. Yeah, the future. <laughs> <laughs> the well, future is now. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, let's dig into some of this bread. Absolutely. This is awesome. Heck yeah. Woo. Thank you. Mm. Turn this on. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks for coming on the show. So again, you'll find links to all his stuff down in the show notes and the text. I'm recording this on, it's a Monday, May 1st, and this Sunday, there's a tulip tree ecstatic dance if you're in Fort Wayne, and you want to come out and join us, it's going to be a really fun time. We're going to be doing, uh, me and a, fr a friend of mine, we're doing a little rhythm workshop beforehand, and we'll have a whole bunch of drums and some uh, drummer folk joining us so it's going to be a lot of fun that dance on may 7th that one's at silver birch studios and then our next one is june 4th that one is going to be at promenade park so hope to see you there thank you to los lemons for the intro music and uh, I'm going to play you out with another song of theirs. This, is, this song is called Out of the City. And it's got a real, like, nice, upbeat vibe. It's like the total opposite of what it is right now. I'm looking outside, and it's rainy and dreary. It, it feels like a vampire movie outside right now. So I'm really looking forward to when it's nice outside. I can ride my bike and uh, and just... Push those pedals to the metal. Uh, so, and, and I'm, I'm going to do that to this Los Lemon song. So, enjoy, and I'll catch you next time. Shit.